journeying in uh, this series and looking at discipleship, and we've been speaking about it from other uh, new phrases of apprenticeship or the way of Jesus or um, different aspects perhaps to, to grab us at um, what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Um, and one of the things that um, they're picking up on is the fact that mental health has never been such a serious issue in the last 10 years as it has ever before. Perhaps it was around. Perhaps it was, it's always been in existence. At one point, it's not like depression or anxiety is a new thing, but it seems to be a little bit more prevalent in our world. And it's interesting in light of the fact that there's so many ways for us to connect and be with people, to have support, people around us. And never before have we, I suppose, in this digital age, have so many avenues to connect with people through Facebook, FaceTime, Insta- Instagram, Twitter. Anybody else got some few things? Snapchat, what, you know? We can connect a lot more easily or easier than we ever have. And yet there seems to be a growing prevalence of mental health concerns. Not to say, as I mentioned, that they haven't been around before, but it seems to be be growing. And Chris would agree with me when you, Chris. (laughs) And so what's going on? And it seems to be, and what they're talking about is... um, that there's a level of connectedness that happens with us all, but there's a deterioration of community. And when I began, I talked to some of the guys this morning about this as well, I'm thinking, well, what's the, the difference? And what they're suggesting is that connectedness is this FaceTime, Facebook, at a distance, thank you so much. Don't inconvenience me because <laughs> I've got, you know, when I'm tired and, and whatever, I'm, it's the first thing I'm not thinking about is having you all over for a barbie. I'm sorry. It's just not there. It's, okay, sit, relax, chill, my space, my time. And so there's a connectedness. I might text, I might call, I might like something that you've posted about what's happening in your life, but, you know, that's sort of it. Community seems to be this old tradition, it sounds funny, isn't it, this old tradition of me actually taking an interest in other people's lives, or us taking an interest in other people's lives, where we do life together. What does that look like? Well, I'm coming over to Bill and Judy's for... I need some milk, and I'm sure that Judy's got some lemon meringue pie in the fridge by now for me. But it's this, uh, we almost feel embarrassed about that, don't we? If somebody says, hey, um, would you have a couple of litres of milk because you know, I've forgotten whatever else to feel. Oh, oh, you know, to have to ask for that. Or, hey, I'm putting up a shed, would you mind, hey, have you got a minute to come on over and, and help out? Well... Uh, you know, you need to tell me in advance and, you know, I need to work out my diary and, and, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but I think you get my point. 
connectedness, community. And even in trying to be truthful to what we want to speak about from the, the scriptures that this morning as well, is try, for me being aware of, well, at what level can I engage in this sense of, or this ideal of community? Where we do life together. And when I was thinking about it a little bit more, I became aware of um, our guys' study group. Now, our guys' study group, um, we're probably, there's community there. There's connectedness, but it's slowly but surely developing into something of what we're talking about this morning, of community. Where people are beginning to share some of their pains or their struggles or their hurts. In, and we discovered in an environment that is quite nurturing and caring. And all of a sudden, I don't know what it is, but because you've told me something, I feel like oh, it, that's a little bit you know, embarrassing or, or whatever in, in your life. I feel, whoa, you trusted me with that. It's not just a connectedness, it's something a little bit more. And so I share something. And before I know it, all of a sudden, there's this thing called a bond beginning to happen. Where I'm not just connected at a distance, but I'm stepping into a community of people who are similar to me. Not identical, but similar. Hmm? And it's powerful. And it's something that Jesus invites us into as Christians, as being apprentices of the way of doing life a little bit more vulnerably together in a space that I discover I can trust in. That's powerful. Because while the problem shared might not be a problem completely halved, there's something in that. There's something in that. And it's not superficial just to say, oh, well, yeah, that's pretty bad. Oh, oh, oh yeah, see you later. Commun that's connectedness. Community is to find out how you're going with that, to be in prayer with you, and it's powerful. The question is, and this is just the introduction, is it possible still? Because there was an age where the local street um, um, did care for one another. You knew your neighbour and, and it wasn't a bad thing, you know, it was like helping one another out. I'm not saying we all need to go back to that street time, but for the church, I think we've allowed it to some extent the world to push in and consequently into the church in such a way that community is being lost. How much time do I have? Do you know what I'm saying? You know, it, 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 sorry, but you know, it's been like go over time because, you know, I've got things to do, places to, to be. Connectedness versus community. And I don't know what that looks like for us in the future, but it's something I want to dip my toe into more for us as River Life. To share life together. To be a little bit more vulnerable. And I think... That's what Jesus is calling us into, is one of the aspects of being a follower, a disciple, an apprentice of the life of Jesus.
to become more like him. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 20, Matthew 10. Sorry, I think it's Matthew 20. (laughs) Jesus begins to, to preach. Actually, it is earlier. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, verse 19, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And going, out, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Matthew 9. <coughs> Getting there. As Jesus went out from there, he said again, this is just about the choosing of the disciples, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now Matthew 10. And Jesus called his 12 disciples to to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, And his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. Isn't it interesting how some guys get um, a title after their their name and others don't? (laughs) Matthew, that tax collector. I was going to include that, just not Matthew. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot. (laughs) And Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. An interesting bunch of guys. Can you imagine the sons of thunder, James and John, sitting with Matthew, the tax collector? I mean, we think about it, and we probably have this pious sort of view of all of these 12 guys just getting on with life and enjoying one another's company and chilling out and whatever else. But this is a group of, of, of men who have come from 
all different angles and parts of life. And even and the, they're all sitting in Matthew's house, the tax collector, with other tax collectors. I mean, this just doesn't seem to be like we should be going through an interview process, you would think, wouldn't you? You know? And we need to do some personality temperaments and some Myers-Briggs and so on to work out, hang on, how should we structure 12 people in such a way to change the rest of the world? We need to consider very carefully and do an interview process, probably a screening first and then a three-part maybe interview process before we put these 12 people together because they're going to be walking around for the next three years seeking to learn from Jesus and his way and becoming followers and not only just, just followers, but eventually the people that he's going to say, right, oh, you've seen me do it now and I've done it with you, off you go. But it's a mixed bunch of people and we know that they really struggle with one another at times. Have you ever really struggled with somebody? And he puts them together. It's messy. It's difficult. It's not the easy street of a group of people that you feel comfortable with and, yeah, we're on the same wavelength or whatever. Hmm? Messy. A bit like a, a Broncos fan being married to a manly supporter. Don't you? You can't. You know. How many jerseys do you have, Arthur, at your place? I mean, Really? It's messy. <laughs> it's messy. It's difficult. But this is community. One of the many quotes, I'm going to quote Mother Teresa a couple of times this morning, but she, she said, is, loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. Think about that. We might go, oh, well, yeah, that's inside, let me connect. But she's talking about community, doing life together. Loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. And that's strange, isn't it, when we think there's so many different ways that we can connect and whatever into people's lives, and yet it's a struggle. And so we find Jesus here with an interesting group of people sitting down over a meal, many, many meals for that matter, and I can imagine what some of those conversations would be. I would imagine that uh, if you've seen The Chosen, it gives a little bit of a perspective that these guys just, you know, they're not getting on real well together all the, the time. They've got their own concerns and issues. And in the early church, we find in Acts 2.42, there's, there's this community, there's this depth of relationship deepening where they're in one another's homes and they're sharing and they're, they're praying for one another and there's a deeper connectedness and everybody had everything in common. It's different today. It's different today. And I wonder whether how many times have you've ever considered, gee, I wouldn't mind asking um, other people in my circle of friends, you know what, how do you see some of these concerns 
in, in life. I'm trying to work out my financial security or I'm trying to work out parenting or I'm trying to uh, work out what retirement might look like. What have you found and what have you discovered? Somehow or other we still feel it would seem that we have to do a lot of that on our own. Community. Beginning to feel at ease in asking those questions with one another. Well, what have you found? What have you found? What, what's, the, what's the best thing? We tend to be very concerned about, I've got to work it out myself. So we find also this is what it looks like in the early church. Acts 4.32, in one heart and mind sharing everything they had. No sense of competition. But it's interesting too that... <laughs> In the early church, there's this real level of integrity that God wants as well because we find in Acts 5 where Ananias and Sapphira walk into the church and go, yeah, you know, we're part of this community, this is great and so on. And they didn't, you know, we know all the, the stories, they didn't need to try and be deceptive of what was going on for them. But we've sold this and we're going to do that and the Holy Spirit just rocks on up and says, hey, you want to be part of this community, you don't operate like that. And boom, a level of trust, a level of integrity for the church. Let's do life together. We're not putting up with that type of stuff. And the Holy Spirit just went whack. <laughs> to current day we see a little image of that in the early church of what community might be looking like and I'm aware of in surf life saving you have to get on well with your patrol and it could be anywhere between six to a dozen people in any one, one day. And there is this level of, and I'm probably reiterating what we've already, already said here, but there's this level of connecting, you know? And that's a lovely thing, and, and this is fine, and, and for the next six hours we've got to be t together and get on well. We all know our jobs and roles, and we have a little conversations, and we have some, a meal to, together and, and, and so on. But when you get into the clubhouse, it's different again. There's a, a deeper level of community, and a lot of people don't want that. And they go, no, thank you. I don't want to get involved in other people's lives because it's messy. Let's just leave it on the beach, and that's as far as we go. We see that. We have this sense of what it might be, what it might be like, what we might like to see but in realising what it might mean, a level of true commitment that not everybody in the group are saints and not everybody in the group are devils, but, you know, it's, it's not going to be easy. And there are going to be times when, you know, this group, even if with Jesus and his 12, it wasn't an easy time, a bit of struggle together. But, hey, we're in this together. I'm not going to judge, I'm not going to be, whatever happens, whatever, we're doing this together. Powerful. In 1 John 4, there are words to this effect where John says this, he says, hey, um, anyone who says that they love the invisible God in heaven but is unwilling to deal with the visible neighbor on earth is a liar. <laughs> 
since no one can love a God who they cannot see if he or she cannot love a neighbour that they can see. Love. Community. A Christian spirituality is as much about dealing with each other as it is about dealing with God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. It strikes me a lot that um, in life, um, one of the universal truths at the core, I think, of our being is relationship and deeper relationship. In my journey in life, one of the struggles I've had is with attachment because I recognize that for me, it places me in a vulnerable place shouldn't need to be like that. It shouldn't be the first thought. And maybe your experiences were different in, in growing up in that it always was a safe place. But for others, it's not a safe place. And so for some, it's easier to share than it is for others. You need to be sensitive to that. At dinner the other week, um, one of the discussions was, can money buy happiness? And straight away, our answer is no. But when we think about it a little bit more, we, we sort of want to say, well, yes, because oftentimes the, 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 the Western world, the, the, the life that we're involved in, the community and society is about, well, earn more so that you can get more, so that you can be happier in some way. So there's this level, of, and we, we, as we began to think about this and talk about it a little bit more, we came to the realisation that, well, m money can buy you more choice and the opportunity for perhaps a little bit more happiness and <laughs> chocolate. But it wasn't that money bought happiness. It was that the opportunity to share it with somebody. If you don't have anybody to share it with, then it doesn't buy your happiness. And so we became aware of the importance of community. You can have all the money in the world, but if I haven't got anybody to share it with, that's where the happiness comes. That's the relationship. That's the connectedness and possibly even the level of community that we're talking about. Paul reminds us in Romans 12, 1 to 16, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Another thing that, uh, another quote from Mother Teresa, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. The power of deeper community is to expose ourselves to being transformed at a deeper level. And it is vulnerable. It is scary. But when we discover that it is a safe place and that the church is a safe place and we begin to share and whatever, the power of what God can do in the midst of that is huge. And despite what we might think about 
the online communities, there is no such thing as online community. You connect, but community is about people who are doing life that you're doing life with together. Community is the byproduct of commitment. We want community, but want to keep our options open. And it's this consumer mindset. What's in it for me? Is this my kind of person? What options do I have? What if there's someone better out there? What if there's someone cooler out there? Is there a better church out there? Maybe a better option out there some ways. And so we keep it at arm's length and we say, well, today, yeah, I might buy into it a little bit, but I'm only going to go this far. Because if it's not good for me and I don't get something out of it, then I, I don't want to engage in that. I don't want to find myself, before I realise it, in an experience in community when I might want to push out of that. Community means you have to commit to a group of people who are imperfect. <laughs> Community also takes time and intentionality. It just doesn't happen on a Sunday or around a pulpit, but it happens over a meal, over coffee, over a beer, with a group, whoever, to build Community. And so Jesus brings together these 12 who are different in all sorts of different ways and have different strengths and weaknesses, but he's trying to teach us something even in the 12 that he chooses. You'd think, hang on, Jesus, uh, you, you know, you, you can read people's minds, you're aware of what's going on, you, you can pick up on what the Pharisees are really saying, and why would you bring these, choose these 12 to come together? It just doesn't seem to make sense. It's because there's a teaching in it as well. Community. An ideal, you know, become a reality for us as a church for you, because that's where it ends up. Hey, what is it about this value in being the follower of Christ that you can engage with? What part of that is significant for you? We're going to finish up with, with this. Because the next stage really is in beginning to say, well, there's, that's going to mean not adding more things into my life, but perhaps shaving off areas that are already in existence that I could maybe do a little bit less without and beginning to use that for practicing one of the various aspects of following Jesus, the apprentice of Christ, the disciple of Christ, the, the, the follower of Jesus. That's what it means. Because as we begin to journey, and um, we're miles away from next year, but already planning is on the way and looking at that, I'm recognising that some of these um, fundamentals that we've been picking up on about, okay, this is um, practising the, the, the way, and you can find some 
a lot of stuff online about this and really looking into that. What does it might mean for a church? And it's not just uh, the latest craze and therefore, okay, we're going to do that and then we'll move off to something else. But really soaking into to some of this and recognizing, well, I can't perhaps practice all of the spiritual disciplines all of the time. Or I can't really practice all these things that we're ticking off on, community and so on and so forth. I only have a, a limited amount of time at the moment. Perhaps it might get bigger as we, as we grow, but at the moment there's, th- there's just this area. What is it that really draws your attention? In other words, um, do you really value, do you have a high sense of, I, I love praying? And I'd love to develop that area in my own life. Or I love fasting. I'd love to develop that area in my life. Or I love giving. I love being generous. I'd love to hang out with a few people who are of a similar mind to me and really have an interest in that. And just to be able to explore that a little bit more. Or um, it might be in an area of worship. You know what? Wouldn't it be great oh, if I could just find a group of people who just love to come together and worship God, just to sing more and open up my, my heart a little bit more? Whatever a little area it might be in, in your life to go, whoa, I've got a heart for that. It's just a natural thing. Because to say, well, okay, you must fast and you must do it and you've got to do it, it's going to be like dragging people who really don't have a heart for that just yet. And so let's start where, with what draws your attention and begin to just shave and go, okay, I'm going to find some other people who are interested in that and I'm going to grow with them. So hopefully the ideal is to discover, well, I'm doing that and now I'd love to be able to explore this area. And so we begin to grow and build. So that's coming. That's coming soon. I'm going to help you as a church just to begin to work through that and to say, well, how do I find people who might be of similar mind there to be able to sit together? And so as we just close, I just want you to give yourself a moment to think about this group of guys, the 12 disciples. Imagine some of their conversations, some of their struggles, perhaps. The sons of thunder are there. They just blurt out whatever they're thinking. You've got Matthew, who's hated by everybody because he's hanging out with the Romans and helping them out. You've got Simon the Zealot. He's carrying a knife. He's always carrying a knife because he's looking to try and slit a Roman's throat. I wonder how Matthew feels in his presence because he's helping out the Romans. An interesting group of people. Messy. Are there areas in your life that are perhaps messy? Would you be willing to come together in a group of people whose lives too aren't perfect, a little bit of messiness? But the one thing you all have in common is the name of Jesus.
and he calls you into a life of community. Not simply connectedness, but community. And in that, he says, come, follow me. Learn of me. And so, Lord, we come before you this morning and just have a desire. Sometimes it's a little bit reluctant, Lord, but deep within we know that your truth, your word is so important and so real and it's what we hold on to in our faith and in this world that we live in. But we do have a desire. At times it is reluctant to see more of you at work in our lives. And that's not going to mean that it's going to be easy. But we choose you. We choose you. Grant us the strength that we need, Lord, to come follow me. To hear you and know that it is a good thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need some prayer for that this morning, if the Spirit of God's been uh, just tickling your heart or your mind, and you think, whoa, okay, Lord, that's a little bit too vulnerable for, for me, or I'm not too sure about that, or perhaps God's spoken really clearly to you, then make sure you get some prayer before you go. I love how. Joyce Meyer, uh, I think, was the first to, to pick up on it where she says, you know, the Spirit of God's speaking to you, then it's for now. It's not for next week or a month's time or next year or when I get around to it. But if the Holy Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder and your, or your heart or your mind, he's saying, hey, uh, let's do something about that now. Let's get some prayer. Let's follow that through. So can I encourage you to find somebody to pray with or come for prayer this morning after our service? That would be really good. Uh, let's stand and sing.